to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. We're in a conversation called Influencers, and we're engaging this book called Hebrews. And I want to start out this morning by talking about this elusive thing called faith. It says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. See, what I love and what we've been talking about over the last few weeks is that faith is assurance of the things that you and I hope for, that you and I long for, that live within us. Faith and hope, they go hand in hand with one another. They are intimately connected to each other. And hope is this divine understanding that the heart and the vision of God are alive and well here and now with us, even though we may not be able to see them. See, faith allows us to see the unseen. Hope allows us to step into the unseen. When Marla and I uh, were first married before we had kids, one of the things that we loved to do together was to go to timeshare presentations. Uh, and we never bought one. We've never, we are still not timeshare owners, but we just got the free gifts. But let me just tell you, one of the things that those salespeople are great at is instilling faith in you. Because I'm telling you, we were like, we're not buying any of this stuff. We're staying strong. But there was this point that each of us in the middle of it were like, well, maybe, right? Because they, they got us to a point where we could see that Italian villa or we could see that Hawaiian vacation or we could see that ownership in that hotel in Palm Springs or whatever it may be. And they allowed us to see the unseen. There was something so enticing about that in that moment. See, there's a difference between faith and a wish, because faith is this assurance that what I see, what I know to be true in my heart, what has been spoken to me is actually going to happen. That the, the unseen world is actually more real than what I can see, taste, touch, feel. I remember when I got engaged to Marla that there was this faith, this hope of what was to come. And I can tell you during that time, I could envision this future together that we were going to start creating and sharing, and it fueled our relationship. And our relationship looks nothing like that and something like that all at the same time. You know what I'm talking about. You can think about it with friendships or with a job or with a career. There, there's, a, there's a vision of what it could be, and then there's what it actually turns out to be. But there is this longing inside of all of us. Faith is making this covenant with the unseen and then fully living in it. See, what you put your hope and what you put your faith in will determine the future that you step into. See, and the problem is, is that for most of us, we have a natural inclination to put our faith and hope in insignificant things. We put our, things, we put our faith and hope and trust in the things that are actually not worthy of our faith and hope and trust. See, some of us have even put our faith and hope and trust into a version of God that doesn't actually exist. Because there's a lot of pastors that will tell you, if you put your faith in God, all of your problems will be solved. If you put your faith in God, you will be a financial uh, guru. If you put your faith in God, your children will turn out perfect and your life will be wonderful. And then people get disappointed when that actually doesn't happen. 
See, we can actually put our faith in a God that doesn't actually exist out there, and we call it faith. And we wonder why at times our hope runs short. See, increase your faith and increase your hope. Or maybe it's vice versa. Increase your hope and your faith will increase in the midst of this. But there's an interconnection between the two of them there. And here's the thing that I know to be true about you and about me, because it's, it's almost the same answer when I ask someone, what is your greatest fear? Once we get past all the like cockroaches or dogs or whatever it is, when we get to the heart of it, most people say my greatest fear is that I would live an insignificant life. That at the end of the day, I would not have stepped into the fullness that I know is available to me. That I know is actually present and that I've left resources on the table or I've left possibilities on the table. Faith allows us to connect to God in such a way that actually unlocks that potential and that future and that possibility. And so today we're going to step into another story of an influencer by the name of Abram. And it says in Hebrews 11, chapter 8, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he was good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. See, what I love about this conversation about Abram is that he was a nobody. We don't really know anything about him to begin with. In fact, the Genesis narrative about Abram is like, here's Abram. We, we don't get like he was a great man of faith. We don't get like he was uh, like a go-getter. He wasn't a brilliant businessman. He didn't have lots of money. We don't know if he had lots of influence. He didn't have any credentials or talent. I don't know if you notice this theme here in Hebrews, but this seems to be the same with no matter who we're talking about, whether it's Abel or Noah or Rahab or Enoch. But here's the differentiator between Abram and pretty much everyone else that we know of in the scriptures is that Abram heard the voice of God whispering to him, and he responded. That seems to really be the only differentiating factor between the other people in the scriptures and Abram here in this moment. This is the, this is the origin of hope. This is the beginning place of hope. See, unshakable hope is not just like a, like a burning desire within you. Because how many of you have hopes for all kinds of things that you know are probably not going to come true, right? And no matter how much you muster up intentions, no matter how much you look in the mirror in the morning and do your affirmations, no matter how much you speak it out to the universe, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> See, because there's a difference between just a burning desire within you and actually connecting to the voice of the universe speaking into you about a future and communicating to you about what's possible and what he is longing to birth into you knowing the heart of God and fully owning and stepping into that. And all of this begins with a promise. See, in Genesis chapter 12, when God comes to Abram, it says this, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went to the Lord as had told him and Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 
He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Herod, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. See, here's the thing. You and I, we have our hope. We have the things that we hope for and that we long for and that we would love to see happen in our lifetime. But what I have found is that our hope, the things that we long for, are actually much less than what God's actually longing to birth out of our lives. The things that he's longing to bring, not to us, but through us in life. And like I said earlier, we oftentimes find ourselves putting hope in incredibly insignificant things. That we think, if I just have the right amount of money, then I'll find myself here. If I just have the home, if I just have the comfort, if I just have the perfect kids, if I have the car, if I have the happiness, if I have the success, if I have the education, if I have the travel, then I'll finally have this future, this hope that I long for. Or we might even put our things in, in meaningful things that are even more insignificant. Like if I'm just healed, then I'll find meaning. Or if I just have everything come together for me, if I'm just free from this thing, then, then I will find myself now fulfilled in life. See, I think we have this idea, because we keep putting our, thing, our hope and trust in insignificant spaces, I think we have this idea that when God calls us into a future, what he actually is calling us into is less significant ventures. That he's calling us into less significant possibilities for the future. That he's longing for something smaller for us. And it may feel like you're, like you're never getting ahead in life, like you're just treading water, like you're just trying to keep your head above the waterline, moving forward and, and trying to figure out how to move your life forward. Here's what I'm just going to ask you to consider is that you may just actually be playing a smaller game. You may actually just be playing a smaller game than what God's calling you to in the middle of this and that maybe we've decided that what God's calling us into is going to diminish our lives rather than elevate our lives. Because here's what I know to be true of God that you see all throughout the scriptures, and it actually is what solidifies him in this conversation about hope, is that God is a God of promise. See, you can actually know a lot about someone. In fact, you can tell a whole lot about someone based on how they keep their word. In fact, when I work with clients, I pay very close attention to how people hold their promises at a, even a base level. In fact, one of the things that I oftentimes pay attention, to and to pay attention to is how often are people on time? How often time are people where they're going to be when they said they were going to be there? Not because I need to be a stickler about are you on time or not. Look, I have two kids. I know things happen. But there's this attitude of heart that says, well, I know I said I'd be here at this time, but I don't know if I really need to. Or I can take what I need to to be here, and then I can be there when I want to or whatever it may be. See, it's not about being on time. It's the attitude of heart connected to the being on time. Saying, yeah, I, I can actually do what I want, and I don't have to keep my word to say that I'm going to be a person of integrity. See, because at the end of the day, it's a conversation around integrity rather than a conversation about whether or not you were on time in the middle of this. The word promise comes from this Latin word promittere, and it means to send forth. And it's literally connected to this idea that when, when a promise is spoken, it actually sends forth and guarantees a future that's coming. So when you promise to someone, I'll be here at this time, you're creating a future. When you promise at an altar and a marriage, you're saying, I am promising this future. When you promise money, you're saying, I'm promising this future. When you promise someone that you're going to be there for them, you're promising a future in the middle of this. And God, in this moment, sends forth a promise. He sends forth a promise with Abram, and he says that from this moment, your life will be a significant life. And here's how we know that God can be trusted because there's not a single promise that he has made that he has not kept. 
That every single promise that he speaks out into existence has come to pass. For me, one of the most powerful passages of scriptures that I hold on to on a regular basis says, his word will not be returned void. In other words, when he says something, that future's happening. There is nothing that you can do or not do to make that future happen or not happen. It's coming, whether you like it or not. And here's where we grow frustrated. Where we grow frustrated is when we expect God to keep promises that he never made with us. How many of you have all kinds of promises that God should have made and then he didn't keep them? Like he should have protected that person. My kids shouldn't have to be struggling. Didn't God promise that? That person shouldn't be in the hospital. Didn't God promise that? I shouldn't have these financial struggles. Didn't God promise that? Didn't God promise that my life would be filled with any type of, well, all types of success and freedom and I should never actually have to go through trials or tribulation? Didn't God promise that? See, God actually didn't promise that. He actually promises us that we will go through all kinds of hell. That's the one thing he does promise us. He promises us he'll be with us in it. But we get frustrated when we assume that God has made promises that he actually didn't make, and then we get disappointed. Because we are the ones that attempted to make a promise with him. He's like, no, 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 that's not my promise to you. I just promised to be there with you and to turn all things for good in the middle of that. But see, God establishes this promise, this covenant with Abram. See, I don't know what Abram was up to before. I don't know, like, if he was living a significant life or what was going on for him up until this point. But the second that God makes this promise with him, now Abram turns into some dude living in the desert with his family in a nation. But he says, now I'm going to make you a great nation. And I will not just make you a great nation, but I will make your name great. That will make you famous. And on top of that, that everywhere you go, you will be blessed. And anyone that curses you, they will be cursed. I'll take that, wouldn't you? Could you imagine someone like starts hating on you and then all of a sudden they're cursed? And could you imagine anywhere you go, you're just like blessings on you. Bam, right? They're blessed. This is powerful in the middle of this. But then one of the most powerful promises that God has made to any human being, he says, you will bless the entire human race because of this promise that I have made with you. See, the beautiful thing about this is that God in this moment expands Abram's life. He expands the hope available to him in this moment. And this is what assurance looks like. There is one huge problem in the middle of this. God promises Abram to have all the children in the world, that he would be the father of many great nations, and then he gives him a wife who can't have children, that she's infertile. Why on earth would God establish a promise with Abraham that couldn't be fulfilled, that actually couldn't come to pass? See, here's what I love about God, is that God is in the business of doing the impossible. He loves that. It's actually his specialty. It's what he loves doing over and over and over then. And here's the thing. Usually when God speaks a promise over our life, when he informs us of what the future is going to look like, it makes no sense. It actually, it actually looks like crazy talk. When God said, this is the promise that I'm calling you into. This is the future that I'm crafting for you. This is the tomorrow that I long for you to live in. This is actually what makes hope so enticing is because it makes absolutely no sense in the beginning. See, God often promises us the things that are completely out of our control. He promises us the things that disrupt 
all of life around us. This is actually the annoying thing and the exciting thing about hope all at the same time. Is because in this moment, Abram is completely incapable of fulfilling this promise on his own. God tells him, leave everything. You know, all your friends and your family and your language and your culture and the comfortable life that you have right now, leave all of it and go to a land where you know no one. You don't know the language. You don't know the culture. Oh, and by the way, you're not even going to have this nice home. You're going to live in a tent in the desert somewhere. And I am sure that in the middle of this, Abram's going, are you kidding me? This is the future that you have for me? But in the midst of that, God says, I will make you great. And you will bless the entire human race forever if you're willing to step into this future. See, God loves disrupting our normal routines to establish a new future. A bit like this gathering, right? How many of you are like, oh, wait, where's the other song? Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, we do four songs, and then Brandon's going to come back out and do an offering, and then we're going to continue on with the gathering, right? How many of you were very disturbed when you're like, wait, what are we doing? We can't start the talk right now. (laughs) See, because we are people who love routines. We get in the rut of just this is how things are supposed to be. This is how my career is supposed to be. This is how my kids are supposed to be. This is how my friends are supposed to be. This is how society is supposed to be. And we just get in the flow, get in the rut. And when God comes along with the promise, he's like, I'm going to throw a wrench in all of this, and it's going to look like a mess for a while. It's going to look like everything is falling apart, and it's going to look like you lost everything before you become the blessing to the nation around you. He loves to disrupt our normal. See, because if it was within our grasp, if God promised something and was in our complete power to fulfill it, we actually wouldn't need hope. There would be no need for hope. There would be no need for faith. There would be no need to step into a place of the unknown. See, if God actually said, hey, here's the promise. You go do it. It would actually just be a utilitarian act. What God would be saying is like, get her done. (laughs) He wouldn't be saying, no, I want to shape you in the middle of this. See, you should not be surprised when God speaks a promise into your life and it throws everything into chaos. You should not be surprised when God speaks a promise into your life and it is completely out of your control. See, because God gives us God-sized promises to increase the faith and the hope that we live in. But look, isn't this the story that every single one of us wants to tell with our lives? Who wants to tell a story where God promised something, I did it, the end? I wouldn't pay to see that movie. We, we write stories and we tell poetry and we make art about people who do the impossible, the unthinkable, because there is something in our spirit that longs to have our faith, our hope, the impossible expanded within us. And the only possibility for that is hearing the voice of God and boldly stepping into it, allowing him to stretch us. See, because this story wouldn't be interesting if Abram had a fertile wife, already had 20 kids, and they were planning on having another 20 more. And it's like, great, we got this thing. It's different when God says, you're going to be the father of more children than sand on the sea. And by the way, your wife can't have kids. That's a more interesting story. And this is one of the first things that God does in the promise in Genesis chapter 17. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, but your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. 
I will make you nations. I will make nations of you and kings will come for you. I will establish my covenant, an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants. After you for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. And then also God said to Abraham, as for you, as for your wife Sarai, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down and laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child to age 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might be under your blessing, then God said, Yes, but for your wife Sarah, you will bear a son and you will call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase in numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. And when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up for him. See, I love that the very first thing that God does before he makes any moves, before he transforms the circumstances or the situations in this moment, the very first thing that God does is he changes their name. See, because names have weight to them. I remember one of the scariest things as a human being was giving another human being their name. When Marla found out she was pregnant, I was like, oh, we have to give them a name. And it will be with them forever. And it will be written on their tombstone one day. And this name might get passed down from generation to generation. I don't know what's going to happen. There was a weight to it. And so Marla and I struggled with infertility in the first few years of our marriage. And so when Jackson came along, we named him Jackson because it means God is faithful. And then we named him Brave because we wanted him to be brave because God is faithful. And then when Colin came around, we're like, man, we got a second one? This is awesome. And so we're like, man, we want to name him Colin, Victory of the People. We want him to be victorious, then we named his middle name Blaze, because we wanted that victory to blaze out into every place that he touches. And we wanted his name, that every time someone spoke Jackson, they were speaking, God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful over him. And then when everyone called him Colin, they were saying, victory over the people, young man, victory over the people, go blaze your trail. And we wanted these names to speak to them. Our names have weight to them. Now, here's the thing. Abram had been waiting for 24 years for the fulfillment of this promise, See, for most of us, we hear a promise from God and we're like, why didn't it happen already? Gosh, we wait a year and we're thinking, God's God's not who he says he is. I've lost my faith. Heck, we're really good if we go five years with a promise and holding on to the faith that God's going to come through. For most of us, we live in this microwave generation where if we don't have it right away, my way, at Burger King now, we're out. And here's Abram waiting around 24 years, saying, all right, God, where's this whole father of many nations thing? Is this going to happen? And here, Abram finds himself, and it's so crazy what God actually names them, because Abram, his name changed to Abraham, and Abraham means the father of many nations. And Sarai being changed to Sarah means the princess of many nations, Could you imagine how crazy they would have sounded walking around in their neighborhood? Hey, everyone, just so you know, God changed our name. I'm 90 years old, but you can call me father of many nations now. We don't have any kids, but that's what God called me now. 
And here's Sarah walking around at 100 years old, say, hey, God changed our name. I'm going to have a bunch of kids. I'm going to have a son, actually, and so you can call me princess of many nations now. This would be the equivalent to me getting up on stage and saying, hey, everyone, I've heard from God yesterday, and you can now call me the owner of many yachts, right? <laughs> You'd be like, oh, okay, Nathan. <laughs> We've now joined a cult. But anyhow... <laughs> This would have sounded crazy to every single person that they spoke this to. But here's what I know to be true, that when God speaks a promise over your life, he changes you before he ever changes your circumstances. He will transform you before he ever transforms anything else on your life because he is interested in changing your faith before he changes your reality. He's interested in moving you to a place where you can see the unseen before it ever actually happens. He's interested in changing your name long before you ever see the future that you're going to step into it. All that we have to believe is that God is still working things together for good, even if it takes 24 years of waiting for God to show up, because what God is interested in is in transforming your character in the middle of the wait. And he's saying, will you hold on or will you be weak and give up and say God isn't who he says he is in the waiting? See, if you're not transformed before reality hits, your life will actually not be able to contain the blessing that God is longing to pour out into you. If you are out after a week, after a month, after a couple years, then God's like, oh, actually, yeah, your character cannot hold the blessing for you and your children that I am longing to pour out into you. See, the problem is, is that so many of us have picked up all kinds of names other than the name that God is trying to speak over you. We've picked up names like uncapable or unchosen or screw up, or unworthy, or broken beyond repair, or apathetic, or overlooked, or untrustworthy, and the list could go on and on and on. We've picked up all kinds of names that we've owned, and they impact what we are capable of seeing, and the future that God longs to unlock within us. God is longing to change your name so that he can change how you see the world and change your heart in the process. See, this is about what he can do in and through you so that you become a container for his blessings. And every day, every single day, Abram woke up to people saying, hey, father of many nations. And the entire city was now declaring that over him because his name had been changed. And I love that in Genesis 21, it says this, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At that very time, God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore with him. When his son Isaac was eight years old, Abraham circumcised him and God commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who will have said to Abraham and Sarah, would nurse your children. Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. See, I love this, that God is in the business of doing the impossible, and it brought Sarah to a place of laughter. Here, here she is laughing. See, because here's what I love, is that if you are willing to stay in the promise, 
to hold into that space long enough to see God come through, the result of that patience, the result of that hope, the result of that trust will be joy. And you will laugh because the future that God is longing to create in you is hilarious. That from this perspective, if your future self could look back, it would just laugh about what God is going to do within your life. You know what I love about laughter? Is studies have been shown that laughter actually prolongs your life. In fact, studies have shown that if you do a good belly laugh for like one minute a day, it can extend your life up to seven years. So find a good comedian or something. But <laughs> see, has, ever, has, has God ever come through for you? And you're like, oh man, look at this. God's done something so beautiful and everything's transformed and you're laughing about how this promise came to be and you're overwhelmed with God's goodness and you're thinking, how could life get any more beautiful than this? And then you're right back in the pressure cooker. Ever been there? We're like, God, can I just enjoy this for a second? You know, (laughs) can we just have peace with this for a moment? Because then this second part of Abraham's story with Isaac comes up, and it's actually recorded. Abraham's one of those guys that gets a lot of screen time in Hebrews chapter 11, and he goes right back into the frying pan with Isaac. See, God has just given him Isaac, and then this is what he says to him in Genesis chapter 22. He says, sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abram got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abram looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go and I take the boy over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abram took the word wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up to his father and said, said to his father Abram, Father, yes, my son, Abram replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abram answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. See, what I love here in this moment is that God tests not his promise, but he tests the faith of Abraham to see if he's willing to stay in it. Even after he's been blessed, is he willing to once again put his faith in God? See, it is one thing to have faith and hope when things are going your way. It's one thing to have faith and hope when life's beautiful and your kids are fine and your finances are fine and your career's fine and your friends are good and everything's working out. That's one kind of faith. It's another thing to remain faithful when everything's falling apart, when God calls you into the unthinkable, when things are not going the way they should be. See, who cares if you have faith when everything's working? You don't need it then. But I love that Abraham hears God's voice when he says, you're going to take your son up to this hill and you're going to sacrifice him, which I actually can't even allow myself to think about. But he says, you're going to do this. And I love that Abraham Abraham says, get everything together. I'm going to prepare myself for this. But don't worry, we will be back. He has faith that no matter what happens, he is going to follow God headlong into this future that he's calling him to. He had no clue what was going to happen. But he was willing to obey and step into this. And he continued to live in the faith that God would provide some way. 
in the midst of this. And it says, when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horn. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from the heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies and through your offsprings, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. See, if God was going to trust Abraham with the promise that the entire world, that every single human being would be blessed through him, then he had to be tested to see if his faith, if his hope was strong enough to hold the blessing that God was about to pour into him, to see if he would remain faithful, to see if he would remain trustworthy, to see if he was actually capable of taking on this calling on his life that would elevate him and all of humanity to the next level. People ask me all the time when they go through things like this, they say, is this a temptation from the devil or a test from God? Ever thought that before? Like, is this Satan or is this Jesus? It's kind of hard to tell sometimes, right? Well, here's how I know. If you cave under the pressure, it's a temptation from Satan. If you elevate, it's a test from God. Because God is in the business of seeing, will you remain faithful? even when it seems crazy to do so. See, here's what I know to be true, is that some of you are right in the middle of your test. Some of you are right in a place where God is saying, can your character hold the blessings that I long to pour out on you? Will you remain faithful? Even when things are falling apart and when things seem like they're not going to turn out and you see no way forward, will you stay the course and will you hold the faith? Because God says, I don't really care if you have faith and lift your hands up to me and sing and say, I believe when your life is working out, I am interested if you're still willing to do that when the future looks so bleak and tomorrow looks so dark and you see no possibility, are you willing to still sing, I raise a hallelujah when God is saying, look, your kid's about to be sacrificed. Are you willing to stay the course, even if it takes 24 years to get there? See, God is saying, I am about to do something beautiful. I am the God of promise. Do not forget that. I will not give up on you. So don't you dare give up on me. Don't you dare give up on the future that I have called you into. You just need faith strong enough to hold out to what's next. And there is a next coming, I promise you. See, God could not have given the hope of the world to Abraham if his faith could not hold it. It would have crushed him due to the lack of his character. See, God can't deal out power to people who cannot properly hold it. God cannot deal out miracles to those who cannot properly give him credit for it. God cannot deal out healing to those who are not willing to say, yes, Lord, it's in you. 
And likewise, God is not interested in handing any of those over to you without allowing you to go through that. Now, I'm not saying that every crisis and every tribulation and every pain in your life is God testing you. But what I am saying is that God will come through with his promise. It just may not look, what you, look like what you thought it should. But Abraham was found faithful. See, here, here's the crazy thing is that later on, God would actually send his own son to be sacrificed. And that the interesting thing about this is that one of Abraham's great-grandchildren would actually be sacrificed in the name of Jesus. See, Jesus comes along 41 generations later in the line of Abraham, and he's the one that gets sacrificed. See, what I think is so powerful about this is God will never ask you to do something that he himself is not willing to do first and that he himself is not willing to go with you into the fire and into the test and into the trial alongside of you. And in Hebrews, it continues with this, by faith, even Sarah, who was past her childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sands on the seashore. All these people were living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own, show that they are not looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for him. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his only son, even though God said to him, it is through, you, through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise even the dead. And so in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. See, God was up to a much, much, much bigger game with Abraham. Bigger than Abraham could have ever imagined. And the beautiful thing is that as Abraham heard the promise and responded, it snowballed. And Abraham started living a much bigger game than he could have ever imagined in this moment. See, what God longs for is people who are building a city whose architect and foundation is God himself. That we are those who step into a life of faith, who begin building a reality that everywhere we go, the spirit of God exists at the foundations of our feet. That he's saying, look, I'm not interested in people who are just building temporal things. Things that are here today and gone tomorrow. I'm not interested in people who are just like, how can I live a healthy, comfortable life? How can I live a happy existence? How can I find myself as easy as possible in this life? How can I make this thing as less complicated for myself and other people? He's saying, I'm interested in people who are like, I want to build a city whose architect and foundation is God himself who will build the eternal See, it's like, look, the people are like, look, I don't really care about my comfort. I'm not interested in any of that. Abraham in this moment is like, you want to send me away from my family? You want me to sell my house and get rid of my entire culture? Great. Where are you heading? Where are we heading? 
Where's this strange land that I'm supposed to be in where I don't know the language, I don't know the people. You want me to sell my house and live in a tent in the sand? Great, I will do that. I am only interested in having this promise happen. I am only interested in building the cities. And I hope that for decades this promise will come through. That for generation after generation after generation this will come through. And I imagine that Abraham in this moment is like, nothing makes sense about this. And I can't even see the possibility, but I'm willing to give up everything and go for the sake of this happening now. And when that hope comes, I will be willing to sacrifice even all of that to have a greater elevation of the promises in my life. I will give up everything needed to have this city built whose foundations and architect is God. Just let me live long enough to see where these streets are paved with the spirit of God that everywhere I walk, I walk in his promise. And Abraham answered that call. And you know what? He saw none of it. It said that when they died, this promise was unfulfilled. Isn't that crazy? Is that God says, I'm going to disrupt your entire life and I'm going to hold this promise, and you're going to get a son, and maybe a few other sons, but you're not going to see the blessing. Because guess what? The blessing was not just for Abraham. The blessing was for you and I to be standing here, saying that we live in a city whose architect and foundation is God himself that we get to be the bearers of that promise, that everywhere our feet go, that we walk in the spirit because Abraham decided that he would make faithful to this promise. And I love that Paul in Galatians chapter four, verse 28 says this, now you, brothers and sisters, you and I, you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. I think that's one of the most powerful things that you and I could ever be called. That you and I sit here as children of a promise that Abraham decided to keep decades ago, millennia ago. That you and I are here and we are able to hold the blessing of God because Abraham thousands of years ago decided that he would stay faithful to a promise that he would never see happen. That he would never see come into fulfillment. But you know what? He said, it's not about me. This is about every generation to come after me. This is about every single person that I come in contact with. This is about the future of humanity. So I will do whatever it takes. I'm not interested in these pet comforts. I'm not interested in looking good over here. I'm not interested in staying in control. I will release all of it so that this future can be unlocked. That you and I are the children of promise along with Isaac. And you and I stand here today still in 2023 in the promise of Abraham. It started with Abraham responding to a call. By the way, this is why your faith is not actually about you. It has very little to do with you. It has very little to do with whether or not your life is elevated or not, or whether you have everything you want, or whether you get blessed, and that you have a life that's easy and comfortable and exactly what you want. See, your faith and your willingness to hang in the promise right now is about future generations. It's about creating a space so that others can experience the fullness of God. 
It's about influence on generations to come that could say, they lived by radical faith so that I could be the recipient of a promise that lives within me today. See, I wanted to switch up the routine today, not just for the sake of doing something new, but because we get stuck in ruts with God. Have you noticed that? We just get stuck in the same predictable patterns. And for some of us, that may look like I just get stuck in the same worship patterns of God. But for most of us, it sounds like I get stuck in the same complaints and worries and anxieties. I get stuck in the same disbelief. And I get stuck in the same impossibilities. And I get stuck in the same areas that can never have anything new. And we are unwilling to pause and have our life interrupted for the sake of a new promise that he's calling over us. To say, God, what is the tomorrow that you're calling me into? What is the promise that you're wanting me to step into? And what is the future that you are longing to create into? And we get on automatic, and then we wonder where our wonder went. We wonder where the excitement and the miraculous and the beauty went. Because we're stuck in our own insignificant way. See, I am committed by faith to create a space of people who say, I will hold on to the promise, no matter what it costs me, no matter what comes my way, no matter what I have to give up, no matter how out of control I I feel, no matter how stupid I look, or no matter how much I'm like, I don't even know what this looks like, but I'm gonna go anyways, and I'm willing to hold on to the promise, because we are those who do not long for the temporary, We are those who say, I want the city whose architect and foundation is God himself. That we lean on his promises. And that in that we know, we know that we know that this future will happen. It is not a wish. It is not a hope. It is not just a maybe. It is this future is coming. Because I heard a promise. And I'm willing to hang in that. To hear his voice and respond through worship. So now I want us to worship together. Now comes the time to worship. And that we would worship from a space of promise. Yes. <laughs> that, that we would lift our voice from a space of knowing that I've heard from God. And that he is faithful and he is good. And look, some of you are here, like I said, you're in the middle of your test. And you're like, this doesn't make any sense. None of, if you just look at my life, God is not faithful. If you looked at my life right now, I don't see how God is good. Don't tell me that. You could look at your life right now and say, I don't understand. I don't see a way. I don't see a possibility. I don't see, I've tried. I've given it. And guess what? Like Abram, you may be like 24 years. All right, God, I'm going to remain faithful. But again, it's not about you. It's about your grandkids and your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and the people around you that are looking at your life and saying, is this God that you follow actually worth following? And does he do what he says he will? So as we worship this morning, which by the way, it always kills me when there's like seven people in here when we worship. Because When we come together at 10 a.m. to worship, this is a space where a community of people declare promises. We declare promises. 
And there's something powerful that happens when we come together as a people and say, I will declare these promises together. I will not miss this. In the same way that you're like, no, I don't show up to work 15 minutes late because there's a promise of a paycheck. I'm not gonna show up to school 15 minutes late because I know that my kid has to be there. That this would be like, no, 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 there's a promise here. And it is worth more than a paycheck. It's more than a reputation. It's worth more than anything because we together are building a city whose architect and foundation is God himself. So I want us to stand together right now. And we're gonna worship from a space of promise as if we were building the city with the promises of God. So Holy Spirit, right now, we rest in your promise. We rest in you, God, who is faithful, who calls us to a life of hope, who calls us to a life of faith, who calls us to a life of belief. And so God, right now we stand in that and we lift up our voice and we lift up our hearts and we lift up our minds to you and we set aside all the cynicism. We set aside every other voice that says, yeah, but. And we just stand on your promise today, God. And we ask that you would allow us to see the city come whose architect and foundation is God because we are those who held in the promise with the God who is the promise keeper. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.